Hallelujah. Come on. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. He is with us now and always. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's thank the Lord for the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge Choir this morning. We love you. Hallelujah. And you all may be seated in the presence of the Lord here. All right. It's so good. And we're not even done yet. So, all right. Hallelujah. Now we get to hear the word of the Lord. And again, thank you, choir. And I uh, just want you to know that this is, uh, you know, has some real personal connections for me as well in, in a lot of different dimensions, including that my cousin, Cheryl, in Kansas City, who has been using and having her life destroyed for 35 years, just graduated from Teen Challenge. And she feels like for the first time in her memory that she's alive. And it's just a beautiful thing. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm Pastor Jim Olson. I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor of uh, this congregation, Bethel Christian Fellowship, for 25 years, and uh, also uh, for our uh, senior pastor over our, our all-nations family of churches. And uh, so we just want to welcome you this morning here to the house of the Lord. We are just uh, grateful that you are with us here today. And um, we are in the midst of a uh, sermon series uh, on the book of Matthew, and um, this particular portion of Matthew that we are studying together right now is Matthew 8 to 12, and we've entitled this particular sermon series, Follow Me, Follow Me. And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me today to Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, and if you don't have a Bible with you, there is one located in front of you. I would encourage you to please pull it out. Turn to page 687, I believe, and you will find Matthew chapter 9. And uh, just as we prepare our hearts now to receive the word of the Lord, could we just uh, open our hands as a posture of Welcome and surrender and submission to the Lord. And uh, with that opening of hands, we're also saying, Lord, we open our hearts to receive your word today. So just open your hands. I'm going to read the word and then I'm going to pray. So just, just open your hands. Jesus stepped into a boat and crossed over and came to his own town. And some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up. And went home, and when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. And they praised God, who had given such authority to men. Jesus, we just invite you now 
our King of kings and our Lord of lords, whom we have worshipped today, who we have heard testimony about today. You who are the living eternal word, come now with your particular now word for this moment for these people, Lord. It is not a coincidence that we have gathered here together today to receive your word here in this house. So, Lord, in this moment, this divine appointment, we pray that you would come and speak to us the fullness of your word. We welcome you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Speak now. We are listening and ready to receive and respond to your word. We say yes in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. All right. So let's kind of take a few moments to unpack this perhaps familiar passage to you. It's found also in the other synoptic gospels. It's found in Mark and Luke. And and in those particular passages, you'll know it as the passage where the paralytic is actually brought into and at Jesus' feet by the friends who cut a hole in the roof. Okay, so if you're kind of getting yourself oriented, it's that same story. Matthew happens to leave out that particular piece of information for us. But it is that same story of bringing the paralyzed man to Jesus. Now, we've heard some fantastic messages. Um, Pastor Tom preached a couple weeks ago a message on the disciples going across uh, the lake in the boat. Um, And then uh, Pastor Sam spoke uh, just a a fantastic message last week about when they met the uh, demoniac there and and Jesus' healing of the of the demonized man and, and how, you know, just the incredible uproar that that caused in that region. And now we see Jesus stepping back into the boat and crossing over and coming to his own hometown, which of, to his own town, which is Capernaum, which is a very critical city. We saw that in an, in an earlier part of our sermon series message, so I'm not going to go into that again. But it was a strategically placed where it was, uh, a, a, a crossroads, a place where there was all kinds of folk. It was a place where uh, kind of the message would emanate out and with maximum influence and effect, all right? Now, I've entitled the message uh, this morning, Take Up Your Mat, and we're going to get to that sort of at the end of the passage, but as we unpack it, I'm going to have us note uh, five particular things, and so there are, um, I think there's an insert where you can take bullet. is there notes? I can't remember. Is there a side that's free? There is a side that's free. So if you want to take notes on this, just to help you remember and remind yourself later, uh, I would encourage you to do that. So... Our story begins, again, with Jesus stepping into the boat, crossing over, coming to his own town, and it says, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. Now, the first thing that we're going to notice is the significance and importance of friends, because, you know, sometimes we just read through these passages and we sort of overlook some, you know, very simple, but nevertheless very significant components of the story. The paralyzed man was paralyzed. He couldn't actually get to where he needed to get to the feet of Jesus. It took his friends. We already heard this morning testimony about families who said, you know, we love you so much. Right? I often say God loves us so much, he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And sometimes we need Jesus with skin on in the form of friends, right? Right? who will come alongside and say, I love you so much 
that I'm not willing to see you just lost here in your addiction or lost in whatever it is, whatever that besetting vulnerability is, but I want to bring you to the feet of Jesus. And, and again, in the other stories, we see that they, they, they were so determined to do that that they actually cut a hole in the roof. I mean, I loved that story as a kid. I don't know, I, I, I happened to grow up in church, so, so I heard that story, and I just love that, you know, the planograph story. I'm aging myself here, but the planograph you know, and the little guy and the, the hole in the roof and lowering him down, all right? So I have a simple question for you this morning. Do your friends bring you to the feet of Jesus? And do you bring your friends to his feet? We know Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one. Well, they're better than one when it's the cord of three strands, when Jesus is in the middle of it, right? Or in Galatians 6, if somebody, if a brother falls, you who are spiritual are to help restore. The word restore literally means to mend a fracture. Every single one of us in this room, including me, underneath this really fancy coat, I like this, this is good. But underneath here, I've had fractures in my life that have needed mending. And I've needed friends and those who love me to come alongside of me. So as you think about your life and you think about your circle of community and your friends, do you have friends that bring you to the feet of Jesus? And do you bring your friends to his feet? Simple question important answer, all right? Now, it tells us, the, se the second component here I want you to see is, is faith. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he saw their faith. How do you see faith? I mean, faith is this sort of, you know, I mean, we think of it sort of in this mystical terms, but but really, it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's quite practical. As it says in Hebrews 11, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. I want you to notice three components about faith, and I think Jesus actually saw these things. The first component is that faith is substantial. It isn't simply wishful thinking. It's not simply, I mean, and I, I, this is not a, okay, AA is a, a very good organization. We have an AA program here and the higher power. But the higher power, if you're going to have an, an actual substance to your faith, it's faith in something. Actually, it's faith in someone. Now, I want you to, to take note, and, and I'm not going to read all of the scriptures that they put up here, but, oh, man, some of these we just have to remind ourselves of, all right? Colossians chapter 1. Some good stuff. Colossians 1, 15 to 20 tells you who our faith is in. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have, um, 
all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is who our faith is in. We're not having faith in the Easter Bunny. Or Santa Claus. Our faith is in the living, eternal God, Jesus Christ. So there's substance to this faith, all right? The second part of this is that faith is seeing. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 1, I pray that the, heart, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know. So faith is, is not only, have, there's not something only substantial, but we begin to see the, 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 the veil begins to lift. That's happening for some of you right now who are in the program. It's happened for many of us over lifetime of, of walking with the Lord. You know, the veil gets removed and we begin to see him as he actually is. Jesus saw their faith because One, they were coming to him, and then they were looking at him. They were seeing Jesus. And the last piece of faith, it's stepping. It requires taking a step. It isn't just knowing about, but it's actually taking the step of trusting. Matthew chapter 4, with this is great, Peter, but Jesus immediately said to them, they're, they're on the lake, you know, the, the storm is up, and don't take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, and then Peter got down to the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. As the words of John Ortberg's book, I love the title of his book, if you want to walk on water, You've got to step out of the boat. Faith requires actually taking a step. It's a step of trust. It's a step of surrender. So my question to us this morning, am I fully trusting and surrendering and expecting Jesus to act? They brought their friend to the feet of Jesus Because they trusted and they were surrendering and they were expecting that he would act on their behalf. Now here's where things get interesting. So let's continue on with our passage. Because now we're going to talk a bit about forgiveness. So there there was the friends who are bringing the friend to the feet of Jesus who are acting in faith, and then Jesus says to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but, and I don't know what the friends were thinking. I know what other people were thinking, because we'll get to that in a moment. But what was going on inside of the mind of the paralytic and of the friends? It's like, well, Jesus, that's really nice, but I'm laying here in the mat. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, well, this fellow is blaspheming. I love this. Knowing their thoughts. (laughs) Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, well, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? 
which is easier to say? Now, this is a tricky question. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Don't answer too quickly. Because you might say, well, yeah, it's a lot easier to say, get up and walk. I mean, you know, that's then your sin. Or it might be a lot easier to say, oh, your sins are forgiven because, well, we can't really see that. It's the getting up and walk part. Right? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Probably mm, going on nearly 30 years ago, I was at a conference, and I was, it, was a, it was a conference on healing, all right? So, so I was there, and I went to the conference, and this is the honest truth, I was sick, okay? So I was sick going to the healing conference, all right? Um, I had, I, all my life up to that point, I had struggled with um, bronchitis when I was a kid. I had asthma and bronchitis all the time and bad lungs and all of that sort of stuff. So, so I go to the conference, and I'm, we're learning about healing. And I, they had a point, thankfully, they had a, an opportunity for you to actually come up and get prayer for healing. All right, so that was positive because I needed healing. So I, so I went up to, to pray for healing. Now, this is, again, so I was going to be heading on vacation shortly after that, and I had just been, like, in a frenzy trying to get ready to do that, and um, Pastor Jim in a frenzy is, a, you know, ask my staff. That can, be a, that can be a difficult thing. So, but I was, I mean, I was cranking, I was doing whatever, and, and I went up for prayer, and the person who began to pray for me started asking me, you know, just whatever, some questions and just things, and I was saying, yeah, I'm just good, whatever. They didn't pray for my lungs. What they began to pray about was the fact that my life was out of rhythm and that I was abusing my body by my work ethic, which was not allowing there to be, you know, and my perfectionism and my, all my other stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, stop messing with me. I just came here to get the symptoms dealt with. I just, I just, I just wanted to be able to breathe better and go on vacation and be able to have a good time, but now you're messing. Right? Since that point, I have like had little to no lung issues because the deeper healing that actually needed to happen began to happen. Now it's still unfolding, but it's it it, it got the the real issue got dealt with. I love you know we have a ministry here called uh, Life Streams and um, Monday night prayer opportunities, prayer appointments. For the last year, probably two a week, folk from, from Teen Challenge, two ladies a week have been coming for prayer every Monday night. I don't know if you all knew that, but that's been a huge ministry that's been flowing. And what's so beautiful is, you know, you come into a safe environment where Jesus can actually deal with the real issue. Like Pastor Terry was talking about, you know, the addiction, there's stuff driving that. 
There's stuff underneath the addiction. There's stuff underneath. There's, for all of us, there's stuff, right? That, that Jesus, Jesus loves us too much to leave us the way we are. So he wants to, he actually doesn't just want to heal your body. He wants to heal your soul and your spirit and all that you are. Right? And as someone rightly put it, forgiveness is man's deepest need. And it's God's highest achievement. There is no deeper healing that any of us need than the healing of forgiveness. Let me remind you of some really familiar scriptures around our need. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That still blows me away. All these years later, while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for me to get cleaned up. He didn't wait for you to get cleaned up. He didn't wait for you to have it all together before he forgave you. He forgave you while we were still sinners. Matthew 26, 28. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That many means me and you. That means us. That's the blood of the covenant. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The price has been paid. Freedom has come. Hallelujah. This is good news, people. It just doesn't get better than this. There is true freedom. Genuine life through forgiveness in Christ. His ability because he is the son of man. He says for the son of man. To know that the son of man has authority. That, that immediately those who were standing there would immediately reflect back on the prophetic word of Daniel. Which gives us context for the son of man. Daniel has this vision at night. And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence, given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, I could spend an entire day or week unpacking this, but I will not. But I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, as it shares in this passage, the Son of Man immediately evokes his heavenly glory. But also, Jesus, in his, his teaching and understanding, he also gives it a different dimension than even was understood out of the Old Testament, or not clearly understood, not even clearly understood by his disciples, who still couldn't get it right up to the cross. But it also includes his earthly suffering, and it also includes with that his present authority in the here and now. So Jesus is unlike any other God because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, he is the God of heavenly glory, but he is the God who also came in the form of a man who went and died on a cross and suffered in earthly and because of that was raised then to glory again and has the capacity in the here and now and the authority to bring the healing that you and I need. This is our God. I'm so grateful. Are you grateful? I'm so grateful. 
this is our king, the son of man. Whenever, and, and we don't have time to unpack that even more this morning, but there's so much there, and perhaps as we continue in our study, we'll, we'll take some more time to, to, to unpack that, but it's so significant to recognize. Again, this is a part of that faith is substantial. It is the Son of Man who we come to. So my question to us this morning is, have you brought to Jesus, let me put it this way, you've heard me say it before if you've been in this house, the gift of your need. Your need is a gift that you bring to the feet of Jesus. And you receive, in it, with your gift, you receive back the gift of his grace and goodness in return. So have you brought him the gift? Or are you still hiding your need? Let me tell you, he knows about it. You are not going to hide from him. He's not going, oh my, where'd they go? Oh, man, they got a too big a veil over it. No, he knows. Here's, here's where things, we, we just kind of run through the passage and we forget what happens next. So I want you to notice the follow-through. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. This is so significant. Please hang with me. We're, we're done in five minutes here. Hang in there. Listen carefully. This is, this is the follow-through. This is then the response. First of all, Jesus, he says to the paralyzed man, So just so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, he says to the man, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Just so you know, whatever you thought was the easier to say, I'm saying it now. Get up, take your mat, go home. And the man got up and went home. So the first step is you've got you to step into your healing. You've got to get up. Wherever that broken place is, and take up your mat. Start walking and keep walking in freedom. You've heard me perhaps talk about this before, but this is so crucial because you see, the thing is, I think it's so interesting that Jesus says, take up your mat. Here's why, I think. Because I think that if we leave the mat down, we'll be tempted to go back and lay back down on it again. You know, sometimes we just want to step up into the healing, but then... You know, we leave, just in case things don't work out, I'm going to leave the mat. Right? Come on. Let's be honest. Am I the only one? No, I don't think so. Take up your mat, and then this is so interesting. Go home. In other words, live out your new life in the context of everyday life. There is a trend, I think, that is, it concerns me in the kind of the broader church that sometimes, and, and I'll, I'll try not to preach too hard on this, but it just sometimes we kind of tend to get caught in over-spiritualizing the Christian faith. 
And it becomes sort of this, you know, whatever. And what's he say? And Jesus is telling me this, and I'm supposed to go here and do this, whatever. You know, and sometimes Jesus is just simply saying, go home and cut your lawn. <laughs> Honestly, the Jesus says, cut your lawn. What's he saying? I don't know. I can't. He's saying, cut your lawn. <laughs> Honestly. Okay? So we can, we can so over-spiritualize this walk with God. And he just says, go, start living it out. You're going to have to live it out in your everyday life. Because I'm, I'm guessing this paralyzed man had probably been paralyzed for a long time, and, and he adapted his life around that, but now he's not paralyzed anymore. So, so some things are going to have to change in his life. Just in his everyday life, he's probably going to have to go home and cut his lawn. Right? Does this make sense to anybody? Because I think, I think this is a critical part of following Jesus, is you follow him in your everyday lived life. I love, somebody here said, said to me once, and it was so helpful, is, you know, that passage in Romans, um, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life. And their point was, sometimes it's the daily life that feels like it separates us from God. Well, we know about death, and we, you know, we're great that it's not going to separate. But he, his love isn't separated in daily life. Just paying bills and doing your work with excellence and, and taking care of your kids. And, you know, I, I've said, you know, for me, I mean, Jesus... He goes to Noah's baseball games, so I go with him there. All right? Is that spiritual? Right? And he's with my grandkids. Have I told you about my grandchildren? <laughs> I got Levi around now. He's been around a lot. Oh, he's fun. He's 15 months, and he's a tank. Ooh. And I walk in the door huge smile break out and all is well that's all I need you know that's my paycheck right there all right so my question is am I willing to get up and take up my mat and live out my new life in Christ am I willing to do that just get up step into the healing take up the mat and start walking in freedom and go home and live it out there will come a point, and I'm not, I'm preaching to all of us, okay? There will come a point in the program when you guys are going to graduate and you're going to you're gonna have to go home. And that's where the rubber is going to really hit the road. Like Pastor Tom was talking about, when the, you know, you, you can be able to go home afterwards. It's going to be a whole new thing. All right? Roll up the mat. Completely. For all of us. All right? Now, they are filled with awe. I love this. So, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. They praised God who had given such authority to man. Um, worship team, come on up. And yes, we're going to do this extra song there. Yeah. So, Shekinah. If we're back in the sound booth, we're going to be doing Shekinah. Are we filled with an awareness of the might and majesty of God? 
creating an ever-deepening respect and reverence for his presence in and around us. I've been a believer a long time now, 50 years. I've been in ministry 30 years. And um, I want you to know that there's a vulnerability in that, in that it can become sort of extraordinary can feel ordinary. I don't know. Does that make sense? It can just begin to feel ordinary. Well, one of the things that I want God to do in my own heart right now is... um, is just to reawaken that sense of awe. That deep place of reverence for him, for his presence, for his life. So, yeah. I mean, when they saw the man get up and walk and the, and the forgiveness, and we're going to talk about this later. I mean, this, this sets in motion a bunch of stuff because, by the way, this was on the Sabbath, and then the leaders, they all really got their undies in a bundle Right? Because they were just healing on the Sabbath. I don't know. But we'll get to that another time. So how about it? Are you a friend? Are you being a friend who brings people to Jesus? Are your friends bringing you to Jesus? How about that faith thing? Is your faith in something that's got actual substance? And are you... Are you really seeing Jesus? I mean, the best way to see him is start reading his word consistently and beginning to interact with him. And, and, then, and then are you stepping? stepping up? When he says to step, are you stepping? How about the forgiveness piece? Have you genuinely received that deep? And maybe there's healing that you need on the outside physically, but you also need something deeper that God's putting his finger on like he did in me. And are you willing to follow through? Step up, step out, step in, and then keep walking and go home. Stretch your lungs. Fill the belly. So um, we got a boatload of uh, prayer folk here. So I'm going to ask some elders and some prayer people to come on up front right now, please. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to give a benediction in a moment, but we're going to We're not going to break this moment right now because it just feels too important. I'm not going to rush out of here just and miss what God wants to do. So we're going to sing this very simple song, We Wait For You. And I'm going to invite you, if you have need this morning, to step out, come on down, whatever, and just ask. Just take that step and ask today. Bring the gift of your need to the feet of Jesus and let him come. Come on. Step out right now. Don't wait now. Anyone, choir members are welcome to come. Anybody in the congregation, whatever. Don't be embarrassed. This is a safe place. This is a safe house. Jesus is here right now. There's grace. Come receive healing today, right now. Come on, step out. Here we go. We were praying for the LITs earlier, and I got a word, and that is that the spirit of fear is all bark and no bite. 
So if you've been fearful, the spirit of fear is all barking, no bite. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of self-discipline, of a sound mind. Come on. Here we are. We wait for Here we are. are. Standing in your presence. Hallelujah. Let's just open our we hands right now. Just open your hands to the Lord. I'm going to give a benediction, but that doesn't mean the service is over. That doesn't mean what God's doing is over. If you need to come for prayer, if you're here having prayer, we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to worship. We're going to kind of cut loose. We're going to feel like there's just a release here for worship. So we're just going to, we're going to cut loose in some worship, some more worship. But I'm going to give a benediction because I know some of you need to go, and that's just fine. You are released in his name. But if you just open your hands to receive the benediction this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would fill each and every one afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of his favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God, in the name of Jesus. May his love and goodness and mercy chase you down. Hallelujah. Woo! If you need prayer, come on.